Sapninis, great to be able to come and share the world with you today. Uh, in fact, I'm really buzzing to be able to kick off our new series uh, on the Holy Spirit that we're calling Spirit Filled. Uh, I'm actually quite humble to do so, uh, genuinely, because uh, there is, uh, there's many in our church, uh, in fact, probably most of you, that have got m more experience and wisdom in just what it is to live life in the Spirit and operate and, and minister in the Holy Spirit. And uh, in fact, in, in, in a church like ours, I imagine there's a whole spectrum of us, that those that actually the, the teachings of the Holy Spirit and how we minister and experience the Holy Spirit is, is kind of very fresh for us and, and, and we feel actually quite confident in that. But there'll be others that actually very, very new, you know, the sort of teaching around the Holy Spirit, uh, how we understand the Holy Spirit. Actually, this might be the first time you're hearing a teaching series like this. And so I'm hoping that, I guess all of us are hoping that we can all go on the journey together as we try to relay some key foundations, some doctrines about what the Bible teaches about the Holy Spirit, how we minister and live life in the Spirit. And so that's what we're going to endeavour to do over these next eight weeks. Uh, and like I said I get the you know, uh, chance to be able to kick that off today. Uh, because really as a church, in our foundations, in our beginnings, as you know, within New Frontiers, the, the, the kind of the family of churches that we are a part of, that would have been the, the kind of the foundations that we want to be churches that are grounded in the Word of God. That is our foundation, that we teach the Bible, that, that this is kind of the, the, the key, why we teach the Bible every week in our services, why we encourage people in the week to gather and open the Scriptures together as they do so. But also we want to be a people that are alive in the Spirit, that, that, that know and walk with the Holy Spirit and, and, and do both of those things. And so this is why we're, we're doing the series uh, that, that we're excited about. Because when it comes to, you know, I guess the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, uh, we would of course hold to, you know, the, the key doctrine, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they are one, they are one essence, yet three persons. And most of us, in, in my experiences, is we don't find the concept of a father too difficult because, you know, we've all had a father, whether it, whether it was a good one or it was a bad one. We, we know what a father is and we know our father can operate. And so the concept of a, of a father, one who's a heavenly father, loving one in heaven, we, we, we can get that. We can grasp that concept relatively straightforwardly. Even a son is actually not difficult. It's, it's not hard to picture Jesus kind of, you know, as a baby growing up and, this, and then sort of as, as a man, this sort of, you know, a five foot, eight, nine, who knows, sort of Jewish fellow that, that lived a couple of thousand years ago and was killed by Roman crucifixion. We, we don't struggle with that concept because he was, he had flesh just like us. And the father-son dynamic is quite a simple and easy one to understand. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, I think some of us can struggle a little bit. It kind of comes a little bit like this, kind of ghost-like figure, maybe kind of, you know, we might think Casper the Ghost or kind of some of the bed sheet on the head, Ooh, or this kind of energy or a force or this kind of sort of mysterious, mystic thing that we don't quite understand. Not actually helped by the kind of maybe older translations that would refer to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Ghost. And, and so I think there's work to be done when it comes to just how we understand the Holy Spirit, which is, again, why we're doing this series. And also, you know, just want to say, because it's really important that the, the Holy Spirit is not an optional extra. You know, great, we've got the Father and the Son, but the Holy Spirit, that's just for the charismatics. 
for, for those people that maybe are a bit wacky, a bit on the edge, uh, kind of the happy clappy types, uh, not at all. The Holy Spirit is, is essential for every believer. And, and the reason that is, I guess, the most simplistic way of kind of explaining it is much more mysterious and, and, and glorious than this, but the Father is seated in heaven on a throne, ruling, reigning. And the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, has, uh, after his resurrection, has ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And the time between Jesus' ascension into heaven with the Father and when he will return and come again, the Father and the Son have sent the Spirit to bring us the presence of the Father and the Son. And so if you're a believer and you want to know the love of the Father, the, the, the tender mercy of the Father, what he's like, who he is, then you must know the Spirit. Because it's the Spirit who reveals that to us. Or if you want to know what the Son is like, you want to know Jesus, you want to walk with him, you want to understand his grace and his mercy, to know him as a friend and a companion and all of those things, then you must know the Spirit. Because it is it's the Spirit that, that reveals more of what Jesus is like to us. And so it's, it's important that we, that we kind of lay the, these foundations down, uh, which is what we're going to be doing. And, and, and in fact, it's why Jesus, the passage that we're going to be reading today is John 14. And, it's, and it's, it kind of comes just before Jesus is going to be arrested and, and trialed, falsely accused, crucified. And so he knows that his time with his disciples is short. I must teach them these things about the Holy Spirit because it's going to be crucial for them as they try to operate and live as disciples, as followers of me. And so we're going to pick up that teaching today together. And like I've said, I'll be in John 14. It'd be great if you open your Bible there. I always say physical Bibles are great. It just helps to kind of see where maybe the passage fits in the whole canon of Scripture, kind of in the Bible. Sometimes they come back and find it after. So I always encourage, you know, having a physical Bible is great. If you don't, the words will come up. You can scroll there on some sort of device, I'm sure. But I'm going to read to you from John uh, chapter 15, uh, 14, starting at verse 15 together. This is what it says. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I'll come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you'll see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you'll know that I am in the Father and that you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Now Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he'll keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the Helper, 
the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You've heard me say to you, I'm going away and I'll come to you. If you love me, you'd have rejoiced, because I'm going to be with the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I've told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I'll no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise. Let us go from here. This is the word of the Lord. The, the first thing that, that Jesus stresses and, and the first thing that I guess I, I kind of want to make crystal clear about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is a person. The personhood of the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit is not an it. Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as he, as him, multiple times in, in this passage and, and in, in other times. And that's important because sometimes you do hear people refer to the Holy Spirit as an it. You know, oh, it came in such a power. Uh, there's multiple reasons for that. I think partly we just don't talk about the Holy Spirit enough in, 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 kind of in, in, in church globally. But also because not exclusively, but often in Scripture, the Holy Spirit is associated with, with wind, with fire, with water. And those things are it. And so we could easily kind of fall into this trap thinking the Holy Spirit isn't it, but, but Jesus wants to make it clear. The Holy Spirit is a person. And the reason that's important is because it changes our whole dynamic with how we interact and understand the Holy Spirit. Because if the, if the Holy Spirit is just um, kind of, uh, if, if you like, a, 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 an it, you can't have a relationship with an it. In fact, the, the way that you have a relationship with, with someone is that you, you understand them and you know them. And I think the thing that makes that really, really clear for us is um, the words, actually. If you kind of look at the original language that's used for this word that describes the Holy Spirit in the text. So my translation uses the word helper. And the original word comes from the word, the word paraclete, the, the Greek word parakletos, which is one of those words that you get every now and again that actually the English doesn't do it justice. There's four or five words that are actually kind of make up, uh, that, that really kind of uh, help you to understand the, the real essence of the word. And so, and that is evident because different translations use different words. So my translation, the ESV, the English Standard Version, the Holy One, that's not, it's, it's the preference, um, but it, it uh, uses the word helper. And helper is, is one who comes alongside, comes to support, comes to literally to help you. And just on that, there's, unfortunately, the word helper kind of has this overtone of being subordinate. I think people often picture it like, um, my little girl, she's three, she'll come out and help me do the gardening on the weekend. My little helper, come and help. I don't know, Santa and his little helpers, the elves. Bit of a nuisance, but yeah, come and help. It's quite sweet. It's, that's not the image here. The sort of help I, I want you to think about is, is God forbid it, you're drowning at sea and you, a lifeguard comes, a boat, rescue boat comes to help you. There is nothing subordinate about that help then. Or when you're just in a desperate state and you call someone, you're like, I need your help. You're not thinking then, oh, they're a nice little helper subordinate to me. He's like, no, I need them for help. 
The Holy Spirit is our helper, especially in time of need. And we'll see how he helps us as we uh, continue through the passage. But the NIV, the, the New International Version, many of us in the church will read that, uh, uses the, the, the word advocate. If you look in it, it probably would have said that. An advocate is, uh, particularly in a legal setting, one who stands alongside, who represents, who pleads the case of another, who, who kind of comes alongside with. And so the, the Holy Spirit does that as well. He is our great advocate who comes alongside to help and encourage. The RSV, the Revised Standard Version, uses a different word. It uses the word counsellor. Many of us are familiar with the kind of thing that a counsellor would do. Some of us will see counsellors. A counsellor will listen, will understand, will again encourage and support, will try to kind of uh, elevate, uh, sometimes exalt and, and, and really encourage. And so you, think, you can think of the Holy Spirit as a great counsellor to us, his people. Maybe the, the King James Version. I know there have been many old school monks just with the King James. That will use the translation that uses the word comfort. One that literally, you know, many of us actually will know the Holy Spirit as a comforter in times of grief, loss, despair, sorrow, pain. We've, we've known the Holy Spirit's comfort in those times because he comes to comfort, to come alongside. In fact, the, the word comfort also means to, to literally build up, to keep going. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And so even just those different words help us to kind of understand that those words don't describe an it. Those are, that's a person. And the, and, and the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit is a person who cares, who loves, who knows, who is grieved, the scriptures say. And it changes the way that we interact. It means that no longer are we people who just long for, kind of pursue just an experience of the Holy Spirit, but we actually want a relationship. That changes everything. We don't just want to chase experiences, but we want to say, no, I want a relationship where I know the Holy Spirit and, and walk with him and know him in my daily life. Not just, an ex I had a great experience last week. It's not what we're after. In fact, a, a friend of mine, Livy Gibbs, helped me to uh, understand this when I was a teenager even, that the difference uh, between seeing the Holy Spirit as a fix or as a friend if we see the Holy Spirit as an it, as a fix, we fall into this trap of we just, we kind of treat him like a drug or something. We, I just need a boost of the Holy Spirit. I had a great time on Sunday, experienced the Holy Spirit. I kind of want to come back and, and get some more next week. Uh, the Holy Spirit is a friend who we walk with and who knows us and we walk alongside and in our daily life. And the experiences that we have, we do have experiences, they're a byproduct of our relationship and our friendship with the Spirit. There's nothing against experiencing the Holy Spirit in great power when we gather together or in your own kind of devotional time. You can have tremendous experiences of the Holy Spirit. I've had them myself. But those are not the thing that we pursue. We pursue the relationship and the friendship of the Spirit because he's a person and he isn't an it. And in fact, Jesus in verse 16 says, he's another helper that's going to come. Jesus is saying, basically, he's just like me. I've already been your helper, but there's another helper that's coming. And so I just want to stress that right up front in the series, that we must understand the person of the Holy Spirit. That, that lays the foundation for everything else. And then with the remainder of our time, I want to look at, well, there's five things that I see in the text. There's probably some more, but there's at least five things that the Holy Spirit uh, does, that helps us with, that does for us, that Jesus explains in here. And so we're just going to look at those together. And the first 
uh, is we see that the Holy Spirit comes to give us a greater intimacy with Christ. If we read together verse, uh, together verse 18 to 20, it says this, I will not leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. In that day, you will know that I'm in the Father and that you in me as I in you. You know, as believers, we can experience the presence, the reassurance, the truth, the closeness of Jesus Christ himself because the Spirit reveals him to us. This is what it means when you ever thought about how Jesus says to his disciples, you know what, it's better that I go. He says that later on, John 16, I think it is. Could you imagine a disciple, in what planet and what scenario could it be better that you go, Jesus? You can imagine Peter probably had a few words to say, he often did. He's like their hero, he's the, he's the man. Better that you go, how? What Jesus meant by that is he said, because this time Jesus was limited and bound by physical geography. If you wanted to experience the presence of Jesus, you had to get close to him. It's why people bustled through crowds to get him. It's why they lowered people and broke roofs to get him down. It's because like, I have to see Jesus. They traveled from areas that I've got to see him because he was limited by physical geography. But, but post-resurrection, Jesus says the curtain's been torn, the spirit's broken out. Now Jesus, each one of us, all Christians all over the world can know the intimacy and the relationship of Christ and the presence of Christ wherever they are is what Jesus meant when he said to his disciples, I'm not gonna leave you as orphans, though I'm going. What does he say elsewhere to his disciples? I'm gonna be with you until the end of the age. Because he knew that he, that, that, that he would send the spirit, the very presence of Christ would come to us through the spirit. And so that's the first thing we get, the intimacy of Christ. The second thing that, that we get, uh, I guess that the Holy Spirit does for us is also to reconcile us to the Father. Again, if we read together now, verse 23, he says this, Jesus answered him, this is Judas, not Iscariot. If anyone loves me, he'll keep my word and my father will love him. And he'll come to him and we'll make our home with him. Jesus teaches in this passage, he teaches it again in John 17, that Jesus and the father are one. He says, doesn't he? If, you know, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. If you know me, you know the Father. And Jesus says that the Holy Spirit comes to reconcile us to the Father, that, that as the Spirit of Christ comes, as we know him, we're reconciled to the Father, that we can sing the songs that we sing. You're a good, good Father. So yeah, the, the reason we can do that and know the Father and be reconciled to him is because the Spirit has revealed it and the Spirit has reconciled us to him, that, that we are one. Literally, uh, Christ is in us. The Spirit is in us and so that we know the Father. And that'd be the second thing that the Spirit does. The third thing is to help us to be obedient to Jesus. If we read these verses three times, Jesus talks about this obedience. Verse 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. It's very plain, very straightforward. Verse 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he is who loves me. And then he goes on in, in verse 24, who does, whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. There's, Jesus loves it when we obey his commands. 
you know, the, the sort of, I don't know if you've ever come across the sort of love languages stuff, it's obviously not biblical, but uh, it can be quite helpful, the kind of that lots of us express love and receive love in different ways. Some is acts of service, some is uh, physical touch, some is words of affirmation or gifts or, or quality time and all that. And, and it, it's long been said about Jesus. Uh, people have often said that if Jesus had a love language, it'd be obedience. It'd just be, uh, to, to obey his commands. As Christians, we, we must endeavour to live, to live lives that are holy and pure and, and, and in line with the word of God and his teaching to us. Jesus made that crystal clear. If you, if you love me, not to earn my love, but out of my love for you, then you'd obey my commands. And as Christians, we must endeavour to do that. That's why we often talk about repenting of our sin, turning away from it, following Jesus. And to do that, we must have the help of the Holy Spirit. We want to live lives where we, you know, maybe you've become a Christian and there's old habits and addictions that you want to get rid of. And, and just in our daily lives, living in purity and integrity. I mean, temptation and sin is all around us to be deceitful, to lie, to, you know, to, to, to lust, to, to get involved with needless gossip and conversation, to put others down, to not think best of other people. To, I mean, it's everywhere, every day, bombarded with temptation and all of those things. And geez, the, the way that we get through and obeying the commands is not by just battling down and trying harder, but Lord, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me in this area. Help me in that area. That's why I love the translate. That's why I love the word helper that the ESV uses because I know that, that he comes to help you because you're incapable of doing it yourself. We, we just are. We're weak. We're fallen people, but we've been saved and redeemed by Christ and he sent his spirit to help us live for him. And so he comes as a helper to help us with obedience. The fourth thing is to, to teach us as the spirit of truth. Verse 17 even the spirit of truth from the world cannot receive because it knows, neither knows him. You know him and he dwells within you. And then in verse 20, uh, 20 it goes on as well in verse 25. Uh, These things I've spoken to you while I'm with you. The helper whom the father will send will teach you all things to bring to your remembrance. So you see this component, the spirit of truth. And it's not the first time, actually, or the last time I should say that Jesus refers to the spirit of truth. In the next chapter, chapter 15, verse 26, he says, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father will bear witness about me. And later on in the same dialogue in chapter 16, he says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And so you see this component where the Holy Spirit will, will literally reveal truth to us. We, I mean, in these days, how much do we need that? We just live in a world full of deceit and conspiracy theories and propaganda and fake news and fake teaching from various pulpits. And so we need the spirit of truth. Lord, reveal truth to us. And he does. He comes and reveals truth. And in this context, what Jesus is actually saying is that the disciples who are going to be the ones who actually write down the pages of Scripture for us, he says that the Holy Spirit, literally what it says in verse 26, the Holy Spirit will teach you all the things and bring to remembrance all I've said to you. You ever wondered, wow, man, the, God, John's got some memory. How do you remember all those things that Jesus said? And the Holy Spirit brought it to his remembrance. Wow, they remembered so many details over three years. They were smart. And the Holy Spirit helped them brought all the things that he taught them to, to their remembrance, that so they would write it down. That's why we say that the, 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 the scriptures, they are spirit inspired. They, they've been inspired by the Holy Spirit to write it down. 
And the way that, that, that God has often taught and spoke through the ages is, is it says he spoke through the prophets and he spoke through the gospels, through Jesus' life itself and the gospels that we have and through the apostles' teachings. And so we have it. We, we have the scriptures that, that are taught to us that we know so that truth has been revealed. You want to know the truth about who God is and who Jesus is and who the Spirit is? Read the scriptures. It's here for us. He's given it to us, the spirit of truth. And as we read it, he inspires us and brings things to light. And as we listen to it and spend time talking about it, he reveals truth. He comes to the spirit of truth. And the last thing, that he comes, this is the fifth thing, and I close with this, is that he comes to give us the gift of peace. Verse 27 says this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You've heard me say I'm going away and I will come, and if you love me, you'll have rejoiced, because I'm going to the Father. The Holy Spirit has come to give us peace. And I love it because, not as the world gives, Jesus said, because to the world, peace is absence of conflict. Jesus doesn't promise that we won't have conflict, that we won't have trouble. In fact, these disciples had loads of it. But he promises that in spite of your trouble, in spite of your hard times or your suffering, you'll know the peace of God that surpasses understanding. How could you possibly be peaceful with all that going on? And listen, it surpasses understanding. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the peace that I know. Is, is deep in me. And in fact, that then says it leads to rejoicing after. You, you'll rejoice because the peace that we have, even in hardships, even in troubled times, we can rejoice and know the peace that comes. Before Jesus talks about all the gifts that, you know, in the scriptures, we can talk about the gifts that come of the Holy Spirit. Those things are great, but may we know the peace of the Holy Spirit and those things there as well. This is why Jesus says, listen, it, it's better that I go because as I go, <laughs> you'll know more life, more peace, more joy, more of my presence. And so church, as we endeavor on this series together, let us strive and, and long to be a people who experience and know the Holy Spirit and walk in his presence daily that we may know him. In Jesus' name, amen, let me pray. Lord, we thank you that you've sent the Spirit, that, that we may know your presence, and your peace, the intimacy of Christ. And we pray as we endeavor on this series together, Lord, may we simply know more of the Holy Spirit in our midst, in our daily interactions, in our, as individuals, and also corporately together as a church. We pray in your precious name. Amen.